Today's podcast is brought to you by K&N Engineering. As my buddy John will tell you, K&N's oiled cotton air filters will give your vehicle a bump in horsepower, improve your vehicle's performance, and provide excellent engine protection that lasts for the life of your car, truck, or motorcycle. Their high-quality air filters provide superior airflow, resulting in crisper throttle response and more torque throughout the engine RPM range, as well as an excellent filtration to ensure long engine life. They're easy to install, and they come with a worry-free K&N Million Mile Warranty. So go to www.knfilters.com slash podcast and get a great deal on K&N replacement air filters with free shipping. Order now and you'll get a free K&N hat with your purchase. Who doesn't like free stuff? So visit www.knfilters.com slash podcast and get yourself a good air filter and a free hat while never having to deal with buying cheap throwaway air paper filters again and again. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and for today's episode, I'm pleased to be joined by another DC sports fan who not only happens to be the second most famous Davidson graduate that I know of, but a sports media star in the making. And that would be Keely Divin of Comcast Sportsnet. Keely, how are you? Hey Rajan, it's a very that's a very kind introduction of you. I am very I'm quite well, though I would be better if uh, the Wizards were in the playoffs. Yes, so we will absolutely dive into that very much so. And for those of you who may not know, Keely covers the Wizards for CSN, and she kind of sits with the CSN crew just a couple of rows from the floor during most Wizards home games, if not all of them. So with that unique vantage point, I figured you'd be the perfect person to kind of pick the brain of as far as this rather substandard 2015-2016 season. And as we were kind of talking about before we got started, why we're sitting at home and watching the playoffs instead of you getting to be in the arena and me trying to figure out how I cannot pay triple digits for my usual tickets that we get for those games. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would definitely be nice. I, d- I go to, I go to probably about half the home games and do sit right about there, except when, you know, it's a major game and I'm bumped up to the, you know, not to the visiting media platform, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it would, it would definitely be nice not to be watching the playoffs at home from the couch, which I think most Washington fans would agree with. It would be nice because last year you would look at most of the teams in the East and be like, I think we have a chance. I remember my friends and I were kind of we were having the debate, you know, I think that we were up two to one, we as if I play on the team, uh, <laughs> we were up two, two to one on Atlanta uh, right before Wall broke his hand. And we we're like, if we take Atlanta, we can take Cleveland, like we can beat Cleveland. And I think there was some like internet sentiment again, going back to the conversation we we're having earlier, like this team could legitimately beat Cleveland. And then of course the uh, one of the most heartbreaking moments was Pierce's three that wasn't in game six. Um, My story I like to say over and over again is I was down in the middle of nowhere, Alabama visiting my fiance's family in the middle of this dingy Mexican restaurant. It kind of goes, it was that perfect quiet moment. And then I'm watching in the corner from like 30 feet away in a sports bar and I see the shot go in. I literally almost flipped the table shouting that it went in. And then of course it didn't, but. Oh no. Well, you know what? It's better than if you actually had flipped the table that it went in and it didn't. That would have been really bad. And meanwhile, my future Indian in-laws are looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? But it was, um, I had to explain it, but yeah. All his life. Ball is life. So given that we have no life at the moment, um, 
what do you from someone who's kind of got to watch this team up close more than the average or casual fan what do you take away from it like obviously it's a disappointment obviously except for everyone about that except for 538 as we were saying earlier everyone kind of saw this team underachieve in terms of what we were expecting your takeaways from it i my takeaways actually with that the Wizards themselves, the players, were just as surprised that they underachieved as the rest of us. Um, I think that there was some feeling among that, among those players in that locker room, even on that staff, um, that Washington, and they're still feeling, actually, if, if you listen to um, General Manager Ernie Grunfeld talk, that this is a playoff caliber ta- of talent team. Um, and... I, my overall takeaways were that the Wizards really struggled um, to bring the edge on defense as well as pick up their new sort of pace and space offense that the whole league was, go- you know, is going to. Uh, the Warriors have sent the, the NBA into an existential crisis, none more acute than the Cleveland Cavaliers that, you know, they're they're number one in the East and they look like, you know, they they could easily cruise, well, I don't know, easily cruise, but they, you know, could end up in the finals. But uh, They should by de facto. Yes, they just should. By with, the, but, you know, they still the, prompted LeBron James to, like, become, devolve into a passive-aggressive social media grump. <laughs> I mean, it's really... Do we want to call it a grump? I mean, almost kind of feel like it's a little bitchy, a little Regina George-ish at times, if you want to play, go with that metaphor. Yeah, I mean, so... You have to understand that I think LeBron feels that he has ultimate responsibility for the team. Um, and Fields. Yes, and because he's taken so much responsibility. I was going to say, otherwise, there's the second most powerful t- t- uh, man on that team is the owner, and the first is LeBron. So, yeah. Right, and so I think that a lot of the sniping on social media is because he doesn't want so it's so funny i really do believe that because he views himself as in a position of authority if he airs his grievances on the internet it feels like he said hey at least i saw the problem he's covering his own uh, rear end but i would say that none of this no, that environment wouldn't happen at all he wouldn't there wouldn't be such group, widespread panic if not for the warriors and the way the quote-unquote pace and space three ball offense has really taken over the nba but as you've seen um with the wizards they don't have the personnel to execute that to execute that offense or they did not have personnel to execute that offense and i do think there's also a dearth of leadership um i think they're potential um i i'm i'm not going to go so far as to say that john wall and bradley beal don't play well together um oh but they're they're i think but you're entertaining the conversation i think there's been some there's been some there's been some rumor about poor chemistry between those two um and it doesn't uh, you know what honestly it might not even be that it might be that Bradley Beal's injuries being back and forth into the starting lineup. They don't have uh, basically lineup continuity. So they don't get enough reps playing with the same people in game situations. 
Um, continuity is a good word. I was going to use one of those crappy business terms like synergy, but continuity is much better. Yeah, so they well do. Yeah. So I, I just think, yeah, there are lots of different reasons that the wizards are where they are right now. So you bring up a ton of great points in those last couple of minutes, and there's a bunch of things I kind of want to go over that you'd mentioned. Um, when my friends and I had done our initial podcast, we were kind of talking, doing our wizards postmortem. We kind of had the conversation a little bit about John Wall, and I think one of your colleagues at CSN, Jay Michael, I believe it was him or it was Jorge. Um, God, I'm missing his last name from yes, from the post, and uh, they had mentioned that Wall kind of came into the season a little bit out of shape, and probably you know everyone kind of got on James Harden, players like that for coming in quote unquote fat, but Wall came in probably not as prepared, and that was probably uh, one of the reasons why. I mean, he didn't struggle from the statistics perspective, but from a quote unquote playing the right game perspective. He didn't this wasn't the same John Wall we were used to seeing in seasons past. And um you got a lot of, you know, grousing from, you know, uh from Gortot. Gortot's always one of those guys where he's just gonna kinda wear his emotions on his sleeves and say whatever's on his mind. But just a lot of other players talking about like, you know, people need to step up, people need to own up to it. And I we wondered or others have wondered, is that kind of directed at Wall? You know, honestly, I don't think that there was any issue in terms of Wall's physical fitness, whether, you know, pictures on the internet might suggest that he was a little chubby coming into the season or not. He's still more fit than 93% of the population. Yes, definitely. And I also, I think Wall is not, I think like there's a, Wall is a great talent and Wall knows that he's a great talent. Um, I think, but I think that being a leader, it takes more than playing your heart out and wanting other best player on the team, right. And wanting other people to coalesce around you. Um, you need buy-in and I don't know that John is necessarily, um, I, because I, so I don't spend a lot of time in the actual wizards locker room. I see the players a lot because I'm running social media accounts and stuff like that. Um, I do visitors locker room, which is, you know, a double-edged sword because I get to see some of the biggest names in the NBA with regularity. And then, but you know, you don't get long-term relationships. You don't pick up on the tone of long-term relationships with players in the actual wizards locker room. Um, So it's hard to develop a rapport, but I think John has been in our office um, a lot of times. And I think, um, I just think there's, there are a lot of different, very big personalities on that team. And I don't think that – I think in order for any team, there's always – this is the NBA. Everybody has egos. Everybody – you know, there's there's five starters. Um, everybody has a social media account to manage. Everybody has, you know, some side project or whatever. But you mm-hmm. need to have – I think that's why Randy Whitman was fired, if we can segue into another topic, is because they could not – Randy Whitman did not have the center did not hold in a lot of cases. You have a coach that, you know, the, the main job of the coach, I think in addition to the X's and O's is to get buy-in from the players about the system that they are, about the system that they're running and about working together and their teammates. And I just think that I'm not going to say the players quit on Randy Whitman because they definitely did not. But I think that he lost his ability to inspire them and to get them to in, and to get them to invest in in each other for the long term. 
So that's definitely a perspective that is not among the common knee-jerk reactions of why they fired Whitman. Like you kind of touched on it where like, well, they quit on him, um, the pace and space and not having the personnel, not properly perhaps implementing in the preseason, maybe not focusing on the back end of it of IE, you kind of have to play defense and you kind of have to rebound also. Yeah. Um, I've had the theory that, you know, just because everyone else is going to pace and space, we didn't necessarily need to do that because it worked so well in the playoffs. We're lacking certain parts that we had last year against Toronto, i.e. Paul Pierce as a stretch four. Um, but to hear from that perspective, that just to be able to corral the personalities and kind of guide the ship amidst everyone who, as you said, you know, might have their own, not agendas, but have their own lives off the court and maybe not necessarily all work together um might have been one of the big reasons why he's no longer the coach. Right. I mean I think people people want to criticize Ernie Grunfeld, but there was no way that Randy Whitman could continue to be the coach because I think if your players don't believe that you have a strategy in place to make them successful, everybody is part of a team. Yeah, they like you know, people like to think that a team is about people liking each other and like laying it all out there for each other. But teamwork is the only way is the only path to NBA stardom and success. And if players don't believe that buying into the team and the team's system is going to lead them to NBA stardom and success, you're not going to get you're not going to get their heart and souls. You're just not that's not going to happen. You bring up a great point. I don't think people realize how much an NBA locker room is just like your office that you might have someone on your team who you detest but your success is kind of tied into how they perform and you might have to go see them every single day. Like these guys come in and practice and spend a lot of time with each other. And, you know, they don't all have to be happy kumbaya all the time. They just have to be able to tolerate each other. And then they have to have a quote unquote boss who makes sure that they're able to tolerate each other and that it doesn't spill over into their work performance. Right. And it's not just tolerate each other, but like they, they need to be able to, so like, I do think that the Wizards cooperate. Yes, they need to be able to work together to achieve a to achieve a greater goal. And it, that is the very most basic thing that you can ask for that a team must have. And if you and if you don't believe that your coach is going to be able to deliver that after a certain point it's irresponsible to keep that coach. That's all. It's a good perspective because not every, it's not your usual. Well, you know, he got out X denoted and, you know, he's a, um, a 1980s coach in a 2000 or whatever we're in decade name, um, type of NBA game. So along that exact segue, the hot name right now to be Whitman's successor is Scotty Brooks. Um, there's thoughts of Mike D'Antoni and who else am I missing? They've, they've thrown around, um, Jeff Hornacek's name has been bandied about, but I think for all intents and purposes, Brooks is the leader in the clubhouse. From what you know or what you might have heard, what are your thoughts? And if you had your druthers, who would the guy be? So the one thing that I know for sure is that the Wizards really want an experienced head coach. So you can forget about the Luke Waltons of the world. Um, right. You can forget about Tony Bennett. Uh, not that he was is trying to jump to the NBA anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so... We're looking at a like a smaller pool. I definitely think that Scott Brooks probably is the front runner. Um, I'm not sure that it's a prohibitive thing, but my caution with any Scott Brooks decision uh, would be not to choose him because for any other for any Kevin Durant related reason. Yep. Because I think that 
the Wizards at this point are a long, long shot. You're talking 100 to 1, if that long shot. I, I, I think that, you know, I don't know what the actual odds are, um, but I do think that they're a very, very long shot. There are other teams in the East that I think he might even be a better fit on than the Wizards. Um, and so I th- Boston gained Boston, some steam a couple yep. of weeks, a couple of months ago, or maybe like a few, several weeks ago. There was always the New York ideas in the back. I don't think that's going to no, work. No, no. Um, but I could see him. I could the, see him fitting on Boston um, better than with the Wizards. And I also, so I would say there are a few guys. So first, let me just come out and say I'm opposed to any Tom Thibodeau talk. I understand oh, wow. okay. that he's always going to be. Uh, I understand that he's always going to be front of mind because he's the hottest candidate that's on the market right now, and he's a defensive-oriented, defensive-minded coach. And that's, I believe, that the Wizards are going to look for a coach that plays into their, you know, defense-first identity, mm-hmm. um, or their former defense-first identity, if we're being more accurate. Um, yeah. However, there was none of that this season. So there was definitely was not enough. Um, but I will say he's not the first, that, not the uh, first half of the season. Right. So Tom Thibodeau, though, the reason he ended up leaving part a big reason that he ended up leaving um, or being persona non grata in Chicago is because of the way he managed his players minutes and usage. Um, I think like a lot now how much of Derek Rose's injury situation could actually be put on Thibodeau I think that's probably minimal but did Thibodeau's rotations help? help probably not um and when you have I really I firmly believe that the Wizards have no choice but to offer Bradley Beal a max deal and as one of my colleagues who will remain anonymous uh put it if they were to hire Tom Thibodeau you might as well just take Bradley Beal out back and shoot him Put him out of his misery because as ridiculous as that is, that's so accurate because you're not going to want to play him 53 minutes a game in a 48 minute game, the way Thibodeau would do with Jimmy Butler to Rose to Dang to Noah right. to those guys. I think Noah breaking down at this point in his career is, can be largely attributed to Thibodeau just running him ragged, especially in the season where uh, where Rose was entirely out two years ago when the Wizards and the Bulls played each other in the playoffs and Noah was basically on one leg and yeah. one step past fumes. Yeah, so. I mean, so also I think if you look at – so. Tom Thibodeau, in a way, we talk about the Warriors' success being so tied to their pace and space offense or so tied to their spacing, which, of course, they can shoot three ball. They've got very talented, flexible um, flexible players that can almost, a lot of them that can be positionless. Thinking specifically of Draymond Green, I'm thinking of, you know, six foot seven to six foot nine point guard Sean Livingston. Their lineup of death in the fourth quarter is basically yeah. outside of Steph is is completely positionless. Right. Between right. between Barnes, Iggy, Clay, and Draymond, it's ridiculous if they the matchup problems they pose and then the shooting problems they pose. Right. It's incredible. And as others have said beyond us, that, that it's it's funny to look at them in any other way because it's almost a non replicable model. Everyone exactly. tends to follow the leader exactly. in every sport, but it's just it's not repl- replicable. Right, because they've got such depth and they've got such a such a willingness to trust their bench players. But that is fundamentally at odds with um, Thibodeau's style. Oh yeah. So I think that if you were to, if you really want to take a page from the Warriors' book, it's it should be that 
rest is key. Um, that that bench play, trusting your bench players and having a great sixth man to be your leader off the bench is a game changer. Um, and if you're gonna, and and I think like again, um, that's not that's not who Tom Thibodeau is. But but going towards moving towards guys that I would like, maybe would like to see. I think that Sam Cassell, who's, you know, used to be an assistant with the Wizards and is now with the Clippers, um, he has a great relationship with Bradley Beal and John Wall. And I think... So you're a Sam I am fan. I am. Um, I also just think that he played a big role in their development um, as when they were younger players. Um, He also has a lot of respect among NBA veterans. Um, I think he probably has... You know, he's one of the most well-respected uh, assistant head coaches are out there and in terms of how players view him. So I think that, again, if we're looking at getting a buy-in, getting buy-in from whoever's left on the Wizards roster, that would be uh, a, an attractive move. I also think it's worth considering um, – I'm not – so this is – this. I'm going out on a limb here. Okay. But Mark Jackson – there are... You're just you're just full of unpopular candidates in my book. I mean, you really are right, right now. Right, right. And then trashing the ones the one that I love. But then Tom Thibodeau, your your defense of Tom Thibodeau or against Tom Thibodeau is completely valid, and I have very little to refute it with, <laughs> other than, you know, he's going to punch anyone who kind of gets out of line. And I love the old school gruffness where he just yes. doesn't give a shit. And but... he's also very he is well respected by um by his players. But again, I don't know that coming in to a wizard situation and. No. I don't know that John Wall is the personality to do that with. Um, but anyway, I think Mark Jackson, he has a way of inspiring his players. You should, I mean, Steph Curry actually came out when Warriors, uh, when the Warriors leadership was thinking of firing him and said, no, keep our coach. Um, right. I think also he has a very, he took that team from a lottery for like, you know, in lottery territory every year to, to the middle of the right, West. Mm-hmm. And, but I, and he also instilled a strong emphasis on defense. And again, you could, you could say, you know, the, the wizards need to, you know, move into the future and stick with this pace and space style of play. You know what? That's not necessarily, I'm not saying you can't do that, but the wizards are not, do not have the personnel talent as currently constituted to not play excellent defense. They are going to have to make up whatever talent deficit exists between them and the top contenders for the playoffs with effort. Um, So it's a really good point you bring up. It's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense that last year's team was very much square pegs in a round hole in terms of the pace and space when then you still have guys like Nene and and Gortat. And I mean, to a lesser extent, Temple is not the best shooter in the world. Um, You know, Porter is, he's... Porter is timid. That's the biggest thing. That's the number one factor more than anything else. Porter's like very is like good at everything and doesn't excel particularly at one thing, which has kind of been his MO since he left out of Georgetown, that he looks the part, plays the part, but isn't necessarily have that one go-to component. But um I don't even know if Morris necessarily works from a true pace and space. I think Morris is nice from fourteen like twelve to fifteen right, feet, but exactly. as a three point shooter, I don't know. But then if you look at it from the flip side, Wall, Gortat, Morris, Porter, Ubre, 
are the only ones under contract. And so is Gooden, but he's not guaranteed. And I think he's he's not going to be back next season. So you literally have five guys under contract. So the rest of the roster is completely malleable to whatever you want to do it. Right. That's that's another thing. I think that with that, with sort of a skeleton roster that they currently have. And Beal when he comes back. And Beal, right. Um, I think that you end up being able to be more flexible in what coaches you're looking for. But ultimately John Wall is going to be the best player on that team unless they get a Kevin Durant. And I don't see that happening. So it's in everybody's best interest to um, choose a coach that plays to John Wall's strengths. Um, And he, you know, so a lot of people think, or at least Ernie Grunfeld will tell you that this is an attractive NBA head coaching job because they are on the, you know, they've been to the playoffs. Um, they've got a, a dynamic backcourt at their core. Um, and they just have a ton of cap room. So I think... Um, I'm, Which is a good thing and a, and a very scary thing right now. But. Yes, yes. But, you know, no, no good things come without, come without risk, right? Um, and... Yeah, we just don't risk it giving to the wrong guy. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... Dwight Howard, if you're listening, please don't come here. Please don't come here. Please don't opt out and make this on your your list of places you want to come. Yeah, no, involved. no, we don't want. No, we want no part of that. We want no part of that. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see who they choose because I do think that experience and a steady hand is an important factor. I also think if you are really committed to a pace and space, get out and transition, which offense um and i do think john wall excels in the transition element of of that offense you could even look at kevin McHale. i would not mind kevin McHale at all i think that's another name that i don't know he kind of got done did wrong in houston and i don't think you know it didn't deserve to end that way I, you know it's not his fault that right that Harden was a shock summer with the kardashian right and um I, I would not be opposed to Kevin McHale. I think that's another one. Respected name, played the game, played with Larry Bird, you know, has direct NBA experience not too long ago, but has the knowledge of, although he's a little more probably geared towards developing big men, except for Dwight Howard, who can't be developed. Right, but, who can't be developed. <laughs> um, I, I would not be opposed to that. I don't know necessarily from a pace and space perspective if that's the direction we go, but then who the hell knows with the six, five and a half guys counting Beal's roster hold, what the direction of the roster is going to be. But I think the big thing is going to be marrying who, whatever the coach wants to do with what we do in free agency, which obviously goes almost without saying. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because one of the names that's kind of been thrown about is like a dark horse for, um, for free agency. Like there's Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. but do you give – one, do you give that type of money to Harrison Barnes is basically the fourth – and maybe fifth guy on his team at some point. Um, do you give it? And also, he plays the stretch four, which in theory you kind of have in Markeith Morris already. Yeah, I think there's a difference between Harrison Barnes and Markeith sure. Morris, a, a notable one. But I would be surprised if they went out and got not surprised, but it, it seems to me that they are committed to Markeith for the longer term. They part of the reason they picked him up is an edge that he brings on defense. Um, Which was noticeable when he was here. Yes, definitely. I Very noticeable. So I think... Um, and Barnes wouldn't bring that at all. 
Well, he's, Barnes is not a bad defender, um, but he doesn't have... I think there is a tone and uh, an aggressiveness about Morris that is absent with Barnes. That's certainly sure. correct. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why he got traded from Phoenix, but we're not complaining about that right yeah, now. Yeah, it's hilarious to me that people are throwing around Jeff Hornacek's name. I Yeah. I don't... I mean, if it doesn't work once, I know that... So he actually did put in a good word with when the Wizards were sort yeah. of vetting the, the Morris deal. Um the Morris trade, he put in a good word for Marquise, but I don't think that if an it's experiment mutual. has, well, no, I don't think that if, if an experiment has not worked um, in the past, do not commit money to making it work in the future. So I'll play devil's advocate with Jeff, with Jeff Hornacek, not necessarily saying this is the guy I want, but Phoenix's situation was as messed up as anyone else. Like they had the, with the Isaiah Smith, Goran Dragic, and Eric Bledsoe set up there. And then they kind of blew it all up, or they had introduced another point guard into the equation. It got real messy over there, and I think it kind of all just went to hell. But, you know, the two years ago, everyone was predicting the Phoenix to be one of the wor- three worst teams in the league, and if they made the eighth seed, if I, or just just missed the, the eighth seed, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think Hornacek, that he can't coach, I think he kind of got done wrong. But uh, I don't know that this is necessarily the place where he's going to come and rebound. I don't think this is the setup where he's going to uh, have his redemption. No, it's, and also, I mean, this is not a team full of shooters. This is not. Right. Yeah. This is no. So it's a very, it's a very different, it's a very different situation. See, I like Sam. I am coming here as like your first lieutenant type of coach, like this, the first assistant coach kind of guy, like the Tom Thibodeau was to Doc Rivers type, and being that you know that mentor if you will to john wall and to bradley beal because i definitely think there's something to that from a guy who has played the game within the last decade or so i always joke that the thing about sam cassell is i always wonder like in practice is he too busy trying to get into shooting competitions with the guys instead of coaching them because you know that's what former players are probably going to be that not lose that competitive edge um i don't necessarily know that he's kind of paid his dues enough but then i don't know that much about sam cassell's career path so far uh, but that's kind of how I view him, that like let him have a few more seasons as kind of sitting behind the bench, get a little more seasoning, and then you know maybe five, seven years down the road, he's probably a guy. I just don't know that he's the guy right now. But then again, we're going with the experience route anyway, so it's all moot point. Right. I mean, he doesn't have NBA head coaching experience. That's very true. But I also think that the Wizards are an organization that prioritizes familiarity. Um, oh, yeah. For the, for the pros Poland and cons. Yeah. So I think there's there would be a, a feeling of value. There's a, a, something that values that there with with the Cassell connection. But any, but anyway, I'm not saying I don't really have a favorite as of right now. I, I need to. I really I would love to see how the roster fills out more, and it'll be interesting to see um, that I assume that the coaching hire would be made before the roster start, before they start to sign free agents. You put nothing past them. I hope so. It would make sense that right. they're kind of working in tandem. But um, the one thing that's interesting about the familiarity point you bring up is that Ernie Grunfeld was in New York with Scotty Brooks for, I believe they inter- overlapped in 1986, which is before you were born. I believe um, uh, Grunfeld actually uh, cut Scott Brooks, right? Yeah, wasn't it like an April Fool's joke? I think they saw that yeah. on, the, on the Twitters today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So 
to that point, I think, and I am, we, we've talked about this all the time, that familiarity in the sports world means more than anything else. I think if you know a guy who knows a guy uh-huh. or you, yeah. your careers overlap, you're basically, that's, that's good enough for you. It doesn't really matter in some cases how qualified you are, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, we're going to segue to the Warriors a little bit because we brought them up in any conversation around in the NBA, whether it's the Wizards or not always kind of comes back to them given their ridiculousness. Um, one of my big regrets of this season was that we used to get partial season tickets. First and went to 13 games a year, then a team went down to five because people are too busy having stupid family commitments. John and Neil, if you're listening, hate you guys. Um, but we didn't get any tickets this year. We kind of just stub hubbed one game. Um, and my big regret is I didn't get to see Golden State this year. And you did, which I'm very envious of. And from what you could see, it I was there for the first year. I think I went to both Miami games when the Heatles were first formed mm-hmm. and LeBron was in prime villain form. And there was booing and then there was idiot Heat fans who just came out of the woodwork who didn't even know where Miami was or didn't know who Harold Miner was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were sure as hell Heat fans. And I'm curious from your experience, given the atmosphere that other teams are in town, what was it like with the Warriors at the Verizon oh, Center? For like, those of us who couldn't get to go. They're like the Beatles. They really are. They, you know, can... way more than, than the Heat was, I think. they. Though, I guess when LeBron comes to town, it's always a show. But I also think that because the Warriors, um, are especially Steph Curry, are known for their pre, for pregame warm-up routines, yep. it just brings people out en masse believing that they'll have a better chance to see or interact with Curry. Um, I also think that it's very difficult to overestimate the Warriors craze, because that's really what it is. I I think that they are a phenomenon right now um, in the NBA, and a phenomenon that we have seldom seen, um... It's really, it, it's funny. It's ever, actually. Right, and I think that I, it, it's interesting watching them because they, that team, not only from an actual basketball perspective, um, on the court perspective, but also from an NBA fandom and the way we talk about the NBA, has really flipped a lot of expectations uh, on their heads and made it... There are a lot of things that you don't feel, a lot of NBA adages that you don't feel comfortable saying about the Warriors and you don't feel comfortable using anymore. The rules don't necessarily apply. And I think that there's an interesting article if um, about, by Ethan Sherwood Strauss on ESPN, the magazine, and ESPN.com about how Nike lost Steph Curry. Yep. That was a great mm-hmm. story. And if you'll remember... You know. Forgetting to change the name in the PowerPoint. Yes, uh-huh. And um, part of the lure of NBA athletes has always been how larger than life and how athletic and, and their sheer brute force, if you, and, you know, power, explosiveness, they are, we're talking about the LeBron Jameses and the Michael Jordans of the world. Um, mm-hmm. Even Kevin Durant doing what he's doing at 6'10", right. I mean, all of those things. And. But when, with you ha- when you have Curry, people are amazed and almost enchanted because it seems incongruous to have someone that is such a lethal offensive threat. It's really a killer on the court. Um, I think, I, 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 as silly as it might sound, I think Curry might be more popular with 
both genders under the age of eight to 10 years old because he's almost like, he's not like a superhero. He's like a normal dude to them. Like he's, uh, he's realistic. And I think right. almost relatable in that sense. Like he just looks like a guy who you would see kind of doing whatever in a day-to-day life, as opposed to these larger than life, super athletes, a la LeBron. I mean, Jordan wasn't necessarily larger than life from a physical perspective. He just carried himself that and way. And also his and athletic so. skill. He, he was able to, right. he was able to, his athleticism and strength and tenacity was such that, he was not in the realm of normal people. That's but why everyone wanted her... to be like Mike because no one was. Right, and it, it was a thing. Like you, it's it's like you know climbing Mount Olympus or or being one of the Avengers. Like that's how you look at these guys. Whereas Curry just seems so normal, and then he has this skill set which is literally one in several hundred thousands. That is just so insane and almost video game like I, I watched again the going back to the warriors wizards game and like the shit that he pulled in the first half it's like are you serious like i watched a lot of the wizards and even still expecting them to put on a display at the horizon center and watching him drop it was i think it was eight in the first half eight three-pointers it's like yep. and then just some of the you know damn near half court shots he hits with such ease it's like this is it's some next level shit and it's 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 so fun There's to watch that is that is childlike and delightful about the way he plays the game it's a it's almost as if it's a surprise and it's a it's a it's a wholly new surprise and a wholly new delight every time he has some kind of offensive explosion right but that that notion of curry being a normal guy deep down in his i think deep down in his bones he very much is when i so we knew each other in college and not so well I was going to ask being a Davidson grad did you guys you guys did overlap uh-huh we were the same year oh yeah, okay so, I didn't realize that yeah so we knew each other in college um weren't really friends we don't keep in touch today um but a it's pity. a tiny you know it's a it's a tiny school so we recognize each other and you know when I was at the Warriors shoot around um before uh the Wizards game this year he recognized me and agreed to do uh an exclusive one-on-one with us um it, I think you remember people from your previous life um, before you become a superstar. Uh, and we talked and he, and I said, you know, off the, like, you know, it, it's a, it's crazy to see you now, how famous you are. And he was like, yeah, it'll never not be weird. It will never not be weird. Um, and I think that's the thing more than in comparison to maybe the majority of superstars we've had in the post Jordan era that, he is, he maybe of anyone has the fewest amount of people who want to see him fail. Like right. every, every 97% of the country wanted to see LeBron fail um, for the first year he was there. I think any superstar we've had, whether it's Shaq and Kobe or anybody else in the mid 2000s, um, I mean, you, we, disvalued the Spurs because they were boring. We disvalued Garnett because he seemed too intense and cut too much of a jerk, you know, and, and all of the superstars we've had, people had their detractors. I can't think of any instance where someone's like, I don't like Steph Curry unless you're like a Spurs fan. People have decided that they like this team, that even though they are prohibitive front runners, some of the most prohibitive front runners that we've ever seen in the NBA, that somehow they remain the underdog. And I think it's because there's a sense that that roster is full of players who were discounted and overlooked over and over and over. And there's Absolutely. a lore about that. So there's a feeling 
that the warriors are still overcoming something and that every victory by the warriors is somehow a moral victory. Um, and also it's really hard to dislike Curry because he's never, you know, he's the inverse of arrogant. He is in bed. He's a family, very visible family man. Um, he conducts himself in a, he doesn't, he's definitely not an, he's, his first foot on the court for the Warriors was not his first experience in the NBA. He grew up in that situation. Yeah. Um, and there was an interesting article on, uh, I forget where it was about Curry's upbringing and how if people, no matter whether people recognize your father in, in the grocery store, no matter what kind of mood you're in, you make eye contact, you smile, you make people feel like they exist. And that goes a long way, especially for the media. And I think that, Curry seeming every inch the accessible superstar, but also an otherworldly talent and everyone wanting a piece of him and Curry being up until recently um, incredibly available. People don't, people don't forget that goodwill. Um, I, I think of it almost as like Curry never treats anyone as if he's too good for their time. Or his time is... Which is amazing. And I think that... Right. And so people respond to that. Um, because again, when... Because in a lot of cases, I, I don't I don't mean to disparage any media members, but Curry has such responsibilities. He has such commitments. And what he's doing is that... And he's operating at such a high level that he could easily feel like his obligations are a burden. And he, But if he does... And I'm sure there are days that he does. He would never show that. And that, I think, again, buys you incredible goodwill with the media who shapes the narrative of how people view you. Which is why you never read anything about, like, oh, I'm sick of the Warriors. or Oh, the damn Warriors again. Like, Also, the Warriors it's... have fun with it. The Warriors are not grumpy. The Warriors have, a, have an overwhelming joy about their style of play that comes from Steph Curry. And so it's, it's hard to... It's hard to watch something that you've never seen before and people that you watch having literally the most fun of their lives doing it and feel negatively towards those people. I grew up at some points kind of rooting, as blasphemous as might sound, rooting against Jordan in some cases because I looked at it and I'm like, okay, enough. We know they're amazing. Like, <laughs> let's see the upset. Let's see history being made. <laughs> right. Yes, Exactly. I kind of had a soft spot for the Knicks growing up just because I'm like, well, these are the team. This is the one team I think can beat the beat the Bulls. So like, I always kind of had a, like a weird thing for the Knicks alongside the Bullets at that time. The Bullets stunk, so it didn't really matter. But <laughs> I I don't, you know, I openly at least for the first year or two enjoyed seeing LeBron's demise and seeing kind of it backfire in their face, and then the redemption story and blah 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 and stuff like that. Um, I don't have any love lost for the fact that he can't win in Cleveland at the moment. But I, I don't feel – and you know, badgering the same point, I don't feel that way about Golden State. Every time I'm like, I want to watch them win. I enjoy watching them win. I want to see a seven-game heavyweight fight between Golden State and San Antonio, but I'm not going to be like rooting for San Antonio to dethrone them. No. I'm going to be rooting for great basketball. Right. And you will get it. I sure Yeah, I mean, I hope – some, you know, I hope Oklahoma City doesn't ruin the party for San Antonio in the West, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't either. Um, so from the players you've gotten, you, you mentioned you don't spend a ton of time in the Wizards locker room, but you get to kind of see them on the periphery doing your thing on the daily basis with the with CSN and then also 
you know, hanging out with other players or being able to talk to whoever you might. You got to see Kobe a little bit on the, when he was here, right? Well, the Kobe Circus was so spectacular. It's like nothing I've ever seen, really. Um, was it? His post-game availability was done from a conference room uh, because there's so many people that wanted to ask him questions. And I have never seen Kobe like that ever. Um, he was relaxed. He was having fun. He was shocked at the amount of people that were mourning him, his retirement. Uh, How shocked can he really be? He spent the entire season getting fawned over. Well, this was this wasn't. I think this was uh, in the first half of the season. I'm fairly certain. True. Um, True. Fair enough. But... but hearing other fans, also the Wizards, the the Verizon Center has has its issues with visiting fans. And yeah, you could say that. Yes. Um, I also think that did not help the Wizards this season, but that's a story for another day. Um, I think, but to see Kobe, his glee and astonishment that people really did love him as much as he loved himself. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Um, it was fun to watch because he had fun with it. He was not, he was not lock in, um, assassin kobe he was i am soaking up every minute of this and i'm going to let this press conference go on as long as i possibly can because i want to talk about how everybody loves me yeah he was the president in the last 60 days of his term in office like he was basically like all right my work is done there's nothing left i'm just going to kind of take it all in and i'm going to kiss all the babies yeah yeah he very much did so um I still, I have said it openly that the the fifty shot night and the sixty point night was one of the travesties of professional sports. I don't <laughs> care if if he went out on a bang. I don't care. I'm not going to watch an old man shuck up fifty shots. I just, I'm not going to do it. I watched Golden State put up seventy three that night, and at least, you know, I stayed up until the third quarter, and I was very happy doing so. Yeah. Well, I was actually. This is a travesty of all travesties. Well, maybe not. Maybe I exaggerate. But I was sick that night. Had to leave the Wizards game early, and I fell asleep at like. 11 o'clock was unable I did not watch the Warriors I did not watch Kobe though I DVR'd them and I found out that Whitman was fired the next morning because I was that sick right you at least have that and otherwise because they didn't they didn't even wait I mean there was no. probably minutes after that when they announced well we knew so. that, that it was going that, that yeah, was, was going to happen quote unquote dead man walking well sure, especially sure. because we found out that uh, players would be doing their exit interviews and cleaning out their lockers immediately after the game as opposed to in the days afterwards Oh, that I didn't know. Yes. I, 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 I can put that together based off the way everything went down. But yeah, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was always going to be a bad situation. So I got to do this. I had a very brief cup of coffee years ago working at the Washington Post in the sports section. Um, I clearly didn't amount to anything over there. But um, you working the games at the Verizon Center and stuff like that, I always remember that lifestyle and I kind of called it the uh, the vampire where you are working from 6 p.m. to whatever hour in the morning. You come home at 1 or 2 in the morning. You're wired, wide awake. Um, at least this was my lifestyle back then. And being in my early 20s at the time, I would play video games for like an hour, go to bed at 3, wake up at like 10, 10.30, go to the gym. It's all senior citizens there. I can get my get my business done like hang out from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. and then go to work at 6. And it was cool in that sense. Never dealt with traffic, but um, I never saw my friends because my days off were like Wednesday and Sunday. Um, 
from your perspective is one it might can you relate to any of that oh yeah living that lifestyle and then you know what's what's your schedule like usually with the wizards and the games that you do go to well so we have to be there by five o'clock um and i and for seven o'clock games um and I, I definitely, so I'm also a digital producer, so I work a lot of night shifts. Our night shifts are four to midnight. Um, and I work in Bethesda, so that means I can't take the metro. I have to, uh, because it'll be after midnight, so I drive everywhere. Um, and my schedule, I do not have regular days off. They are different right, every right. week. Yeah. And I have, sometimes I get back-to-backs. Uh, I'm trying. I'm not. Which gonna, is glorious when it happens. I know, and I'm not. I'm not. I. I don't want to complain because, you know, on the, on the off chance that uh, my manager, hey JP, might be, <laughs> might be listening. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's different. Very much. So, um, it's different, and I and my I like to have. So I coach soccer, even though I've never played. I actually coach at a at uh, a little elementary school in Southeast DC on Mondays. And that's the day that I like to protect. Um, and yeah, I, I do my business during the daytime, but I will tell you that I am an excellent sleeper. I am a marathon sleeper. So I get home and I like, if I'm by myself and I'm not like at my boyfriend's house or something like that, I probably go to sleep within, I don't know, 20 minutes to a half hour of getting home and if I'm not careful I will not wake up until I have to get in the shower before work, work at like 2 30. Yes. See I kind of mastered right. going on six or seven hours just because I felt like the sun would be blasting in your face and then you know you kind of get about with your day but yeah, I can, I can, I can appreciate the Olympic sleeping abilities. Yes I so that's that's another thing because you don't have as much incentive to get out of the bed because your friends aren't out doing anything. So it's like, oh, like I could peel myself out of bed and go to the gym or I could continue to sleep because I, I remember other- I used to go, I was working and this was the first couple of years the Nationals in town. So they would play at RFK again, dating myself back um, to when I was working there. And I used to catch so many daytime games at the stadium because I was like, well, I'm, I have the ability and my people I would go with are all my coworkers at the post. That's nice. Because they were all working the same schedule and that was cool, but like I said, social life and all that fun stuff, it kind of took a bite out of it, but that's the trade-off working in this industry that, you know, you're, you're getting incredible experience that so few people are, but then you're kind of paying for it from that perspective. Definitely. And I also, so because of the way our schedule works and how there always has to be someone on the digital desk, our schedules never overlap. So there's not a ton. Of, my teammates aren't often working at the same time that I am, and they're not often off at the same time that I am. So I grew up you around in this much. area, so my friends, my longtime friends that are around here, my boyfriend lives nearby, um, my, you know, some of my college friends have, have moved here, and I just do, like, I'll meet them for coffee during the daytime at work, you know? Um, That's what you're relegated to. Yes, yes, but you know what? It is nice having some time to myself, because I before I got, before I got this job, before I had this weird schedule... I definitely would overcommit and keystone my schedule to the point where like there was one, I remember one period where someone wanted to spend, to hang out and I did not have a free night for three weeks. And that's when I realized, okay, you need to pace yourself more. You need some downtime. You need some, you know, you can't socialize every minute of every day. Um, 
Live young, die fast. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, the two the two downsides I always found. Um, one was living that lifestyle, and I mean, I mean, okay, okay, the upside is great being able to do this, but then when you get to go to the games and you're sitting four rows from the floor, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, because I know in my experiences this is how I had to be. You can't emote during the game. Like if somebody hits a big three, you can't jump out of your seat and high five six people. Like you're there working. Yeah, I try not to do that, but you know what? It's a work in progress. You know? Uh huh. I I try. I try not to cheer, no cheering in the press box, but I will tell you that I sometimes find, I sometimes fail at that. Uh, it's hard to, it, something will come out or some emotion is going to, is going to leak out. You can't contain it. Yeah. I mean, also like I am not, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I didn't grow up considering myself a Wizards fan. Um, but no, the Wizards were third out of the four. T- well, growing up, I didn't have the fourth team, but grow- out of the three DC teams, yeah. the Redskins, Bullets, and in Capitals, for me, they were third, and I'll completely admit that. And my parents were not were not um, into basketball. They weren't really into sports, so like the Redskins were the only team I picked up as a legacy and Likewise. watched at my house. And so, I think coming to but when you when you write about a team and you follow their ins and outs throughout a season. Um, or multiple seasons, it's almost in a selfish way you want to see them succeed. Not only because you've built up narratives of people that you, you know, that you like in your head, um, but also you realize that it's good for your career if they succeed. So I think that if I was not, uh, if I did not cover the Wizards, I probably, I would not have as much impulse to cheer in the press box <laughs> You were a Knicks fan. You'd just be having three years of misery. So. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Though, Chris Stapps, dude. Chris Stapps Porzingis. He's the future. We made a, a full full uh, disclosure. We made so much fun of the Knicks drafting Chris Stapps. We're like, oh, good, another Euro. And I have so much crow to eat over that one. Rightfully so, as a fan of good basketball. But, man, we made so much fun of them for that. And we were dead, dead wrong. wrong. I will be the first, full, first one to admit that. But, uh um, I still think they're in a big mess with Carmelo. I think Carmelo is a talented player that you can't win with. Yes. And we were joking about how they're going, how he had the idea of recreating the super duper friends or the banana boat with all the other guys. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, how in the hell are you going to make that happen when Melo more than any of those other guys really loves his money? And I don't think he's going to take an 80% pay cut to go try to win a ring. That's just not Melo. Because no. as the sentiment was, if he wanted to, when he would have went to Chicago. This is the defining flaw of Mello. Yes. Right. Yeah. I would agree. Totally agree with you there. So we will end this on perhaps the most important question of the entire point of you making some forays into TV on top of your social media work and on top of writing for CSNWashington.com. You officially got the crying Jordan face meme applied to you at one point. And how do you feel and how is life afterwards? I was very honored. I will tell yeah. you, honored. Um, I think the question, I made a, a grimace face when I was asked if, when we were talking about whether the Wizards would make the playoffs. And frankly, they were dead in the water. There was not a snowball's chance in hell. Um, and that's when you got it. Right. And I, but you know, I was trying my hardest <laughs> not, you know, it, you know, when you try to hold your tongue, but then your words come out all over your face. Or it just seeps out of your pores. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I try not to be a negative Nancy, but, um, th- you know, we, I basically, 
the NBA had already ordered the Wizards tombstone for that season. Right. And their epitaph was, you know, about to go to print. And so, and so, and so you were at the Lloyd Christmas. So you're saying there's a chance type of moment. Yes. Well, you know, well, kind of the opposite. I but. want to be able, you know, I always want to be able to say that there is a chance, but at that point it was time to pack up the stuff and call it and, and call it a season. Um, and warm up the fat lady. Yes. Yes. The fat lady was about to sing <laughs> and everyone knew it. Um, and so talking about their last, I think it, talking about the last shred of playoff hope is a lot more depressing then I think if you know the team is going to be out of it for a while, because if you if 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 it's the la- if it comes down to the last five games of the season, and there's still a mathematical chance, but you know that it's not going to have it's really oh my it's excruciating. I think it really and you know I'm sure you would agree at some level. I think the nail in the coffin, or if you really want to put it this way, the four nails in the coffin were Gortat's free throws. Uh, yes. Yeah. Against the Timberwolves. Well, I, I, I w- yes, the watched that gag and that that was done. It was yes, it was a nail in the coffin. I will agree with you there. Um, but I also think that so many issues contributed to the Wizards' overall disappointing season. Oh sure. That absolutely. It, but but it can't be this this team. You could tell pretty much. I would say within weeks of within weeks after the all-star break ended, you could tell that this team was going to miss the playoffs. They had that spurt where they won five straight and you're like, okay, if they can ride this, we can maybe sneak into the eighth or seventh seed. I think we cut it to what one back of Chicago who had the eighth at that time. And then they had that big blowout win over Detroit and we're like, all right, there's a chance. And then, it kind of went topsy turvy right after that, but yes, generally speaking, I would agree with that. Like they just they didn't look like a playoff team. And I said it, I think, a few weeks ago, where I was like, okay, let's say uh, this is before they even won the five game streak that they they slip into the eighth seed and they play Cleveland. I'm like, do you really just getting the doors blown off you by Cleveland? Does that constitute something to be excited about? Like playing, you know, getting taken in a five game series against a not very good Cleveland team? Should we be excited about that? We're kind of no, in the but NBA I think purgatory. It's less embarrassing. True. And at some point, less embarrassing has to be the aim, right? I don't know. As we said to start off the conversation, the aim was to get into the conference finals. Right. And the aim was to escape the second round. The aim was to beat, you know, to overcome the, well, we could have beat Indiana, we could have beat Atlanta, but we didn't. And we're like, all right, enough of that. And we didn't want to be looking up at a Toronto, looking up at Boston, and looking up at other teams that were like, well, aren't we supposed to be better than them? And watching them enjoy the success of a slightly not as good Atlanta team. Like, that's another one. If I'll still say that the Atlanta series might have been more disappointing than any other playoff series because we legitimately felt like if we were one wall injury away from beating them in six games. So. Yes, I, a lot of people felt that way. And I also think, though, that. If you take the long view, um, I, I don't know. I think taking the long view, you might have seen. We were all on the wizard type train, but we might have seen. Oh, yeah, that's our job. We're fans. Well, right. that's not your job, but. Yes, yes. I think um, you might have seen the writing on that wall because, A, Bradley Beal. So Bradley Beal played, you know, his the, the fewest games um, regular season games in any season yep. of his career this year. Um, 
and bringing in guys like relying on a, on an Allen Anderson to be your game changer was never going to be play good enough at the playoffs. I think relying on Allen Anderson and trying to make Gary Gary Neal a thing. Yeah, and, that's... and then relying on Jared Dudley and then not relying on Jared Dudley and all of those little quirks. Um, it ultimately led, and you know, I've said it many, many times, and I'm sure you would agree, and kind of what we were talking about earlier, that the loss of Paul Pierce meant so much more than anything that he did on the court. Um, right, because yeah. because again, that leadership dearth. I also think, frankly, no one could have seen that Alan Anderson's surgery was actually going to keep him out as long as it did. But even if it hadn't. Alan Anderson is not going to be your X factor. Alan Anderson no. is not going to be the difference between a successful season and an, and an unsuccessful season. And, or jamming Chris Humphreys into a stretch four. Like, none of those things. Right. And so I think that, I don't know. I, I, and also, you know, Kelly Oubre, you know, for all his potential, um, did not get much playing time, did not show noticeable development. Um and he's a chicken and egg argument. Exactly. But he is either way. He is not um, he is not a, a, substan- a significant contributor for the Wizards. No. And the big thing about him, even when the day they drafted him, the day they traded up with Atlanta to go get him, everyone said incredible talent, lottery like talent. I mean, he's picked one pick out of the lottery, but, you know, lottery like talent. But he's three years away. Like relying on Kelly Oubre this season, three years I mean, of intensive spent, development away. Yeah, I mean he he took development time at Kansas, and when you go to college, you're supposed to be the best guy on the floor. Um, you know, if you're going to Kansas, you're supposed to be the best flo- or one of the three best players on the floor every single night. And even then, it took him three quarters of a season to really get going. So imagine the transition to the NBA. Um, the problem is if he never gets on the floor to develop anything, you know, that's not really going to help. But and that's also, it didn't help that the Wizards were on the verge of playoff contention for so much of the season, so they couldn't really afford to put that in the hands of a Kelly Oubre. So it just, it, it, if the Wizards had had a bad season and they were out of it a lot earlier, then you get to bring, but they were in this weird spot, which is the same reason they fell in, they're going to fall into this weird spot where they are going to lose their protected first round pick that they traded for Marquise Morris. Yep. Because they're going to be out of the lottery. They're going to be, it's a top nine protected. They're not going to have a top nine pick. And, but they're also not going to make the playoffs. So they're in that weird tweener stage. They're in that weird tweener spot where it makes it difficult to do things like develop young players. It makes it difficult to retain your draft pick, you, you know, those sorts of things. But you're also not making the playoffs. So it's just a lose, 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 lose situation. <laughs> I can take no credit for this metaphor, but I love it. I heard it a couple of weeks ago, but the the treadmill of mediocrity mm-hmm. is the worst place to be. Yes, that it is the worst place to be. Agreed. <sighs> Keely, thank you so much for your time. That was fantastic. A lot of great stuff. Really hope to have you back on the pod. Um, but thank you so much again. And um, Thank you for having me, Rajan. I had a great time. Let's do it again. Absolutely, for sure. Before we begin part two of today's NBA podcast, I want to give a shout out to our other sponsor, Ken's Anglers. 
Corporate fly fishing trips in Colorado are the hot item for 2016, and corporate fly fishing trips are actually a great option for team bonding events. It's time for your team to retire their business suits and instead surround themselves with breathtaking nature and adrenaline-pumping fly fishing action. Ken's Anglers has years of professional experience as guides, and corporate fly fishing trips is where Ken's Anglers excels. Contact them at www.kensanglers.com. That's www.kens-anglers.com. Or give Ken a call at 303-501-5247. So I called up my friends John and Neil again to preview the NBA playoffs. And we're recording this on the Friday evening before the playoffs start because, well, that's what old family men do on a Friday evening these days. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the coaching vacancies in our last Wizards podcast, and I'm sure we'll delve into that a bit more. But I figured we'd take a closer look at round one of the playoffs and then some of the other stories around the NBA. And we'll start in the Eastern Conference, where, as we mentioned, our, bull, our Bulls and our Wizards, well, your Bulls, Neil, and our Wizards are not participating. But the first round in the East it looks like the Cavs-Pistons, the Raptors-Pacers, the Heat and the Hornets, and the Hawks and the Celtics. So, guys, your opening remarks. I think Hawks Celtics will actually be pretty good. That's the best series of the bunch. Yeah. Actually, that I is, think the I'm, Heat Charlotte series that, is going to be that's pretty actually, good because of Bosch won't be in it. They're still really they're like Joe Johnson. Um, was, yeah, but Charlotte's actually pretty they good. Are, they are, but I mean, if a Clifford's a coach of the year con- candidate, you know. Legit. Yeah, how can you disagree with that? I don't disagree with that, but Eric they, they play defense and they actually too. figure out how to score baskets. Yeah, I mean Kemba Walker's, you know, actually I'm excited to see what Kemba Walker will do in the playoffs. It'll be really cool because he's always been known to be a, you know, postseason performer. It's such a great tournament when he's yeah. bright lights guy. Yeah, bright lights, exactly, exactly. He knows how to perform. Jeremy Lynn knows how to handle pressure oh, and man. screw that guy i know uh but if you've actually they watched have, him in late games he steps up he's been pretty they have such a strange lineup they've got like they have these Williams. weird rotation of big clunky guys in zeller you mean and white Frank the tank well no al jefferson's black well, but they and, have you know. <laughs> zeller and frank the tank and you know and uh, then Spencer marvin williams Haas. is there and then Nicola Batum is there, and then Courtney Lee is there, and then there's Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lin. And it's it's just it's really a strange lineup. And to the point about Steve Clifford taking this team to the sixth seed and the best the best team, I think, record wise over the last uh since the all-star break. I mean, this is not a team you're like, hey, they they've got a lot of balance in the right spots and they could really do some damage. They're just strange, On yet paper, they, they look it terrible. Works. They're yeah, but just they, not see, that's, an appealing team. That's the beauty of teams that don't have like a bona fide stud. Like they're forced to play team basketball, and and I think it works in the way, especially Kemba Walker's game is because Kemba Walker is a little bit of a one man combo guard type of player, and everyone else kind of around him, except for Marvin Williams, because who know, who the hell knows what type of game he actually has. But it this it just it strangely works. Yeah, as random and hodgepodge as it is it just it, it, it works it shouldn't work but it does it shouldn't work in the sense that they don't really have premier talent to make it work but i mean the heat i don't know if 
if Hassan Whiteside gets his head out of his ass or keeps his head out of his ass, and uh, I mean, they should still handle him pretty good. What version of Dwayne Wade do we get? Is the big question, and how much of it are you going to? Yeah, get? you'll see. You'll see probably at least one vintage Wade performance, and that's probably all I'll bet on. He'll probably win Game Six for them, and that'll be it. Yeah, that's interesting. So my good friend Luol Dung is playing relatively well. Dude, don't them. hate on Dung. He's so good. Um, he went to Duke. I got nothing nice to say about right, him. Fine. Fair point. Goran Dragic, man, he's been kind of a disappointment. He doesn't. Like, yeah, fit. we were all really high on Dragic going there, and it. it we were all. He has not lived up to our I, three massive expectations. I hope somebody fit. gets in his head. No, he should. He's that's such a good team. It's such it a good is. team for him. It just doesn't fit for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's really surprising that Spo hasn't been able to like get through to him. Like, there's some something else is up. I I don't understand it. He needs the ball. He needs to create. He needs to dish. Problem is, Wade needs the ball. But Wade also plays three minutes every other week. He's played seventy four games this year. Yeah, man. but then when Wade doesn't play, the, they there's not a very whole good, lot left yeah. that can shoot. I mean, they have Joe Johnson now. Who's actually played pretty well for them. Yeah. Well, he's he's like, holy shit, I'm actually on a team that's going to be in the postseason and actually might advance like to the, the conference finals even. Yeah, imagine, you know, it's been probably a decade since you've been on a team that's worth a damn. But he's, gonna, well, no, he was – the Nets were a couple years ago when they played the Bulls, right? Uh, I don't remember the Nets. Oh, yeah. I mean, they – and uh, – well, Paul Pierce blocked Joe Johnson at the end. I'm trying to think of when they played the Bulls legitimate. We were coming back from Vegas in Game Seven, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah, that. Um, yeah, they were actually yeah, and, yeah, but we didn't have Rose, and so Noah basically hobbling around beat them. So they, you know, they were pretty good, but they lost to a, like a very crippled Bulls team. That was when Dang was out too. I mean, we were missing like a whole bunch of dudes. That was the Dang Spinal Tap game, wasn't it? Uh, that was. Like, Dang was out because of the spinal tap, yeah. Right, that's what I mean, yeah. when Thibodeau asked him if he could still play. That might have been game six. Like, okay. Dang, Dang missed a few games. At least at least a couple. But yeah, they, they, they had no business, like... I, I'm just surprised the Bulls actually won that. But that's it, Isn't this the kind that's of Thib. series that, series that, like, nobody wants to put on TV? Of all the eight matchups, don't you think this is probably the least sexy one? Raptors-Pacers. Mm, I don't know the Cleveland Detroit. No, it's LeBron. You got to put LeBron. LeBron on TV. Right. Half. So I I mentioned this in the last podcast, and I will go on the record again. If there's going to be an upset, my, I, I put my big money on the Raptors Pacers. I know you guys disagreed with him. Um, it could be the fact that I really don't like Toronto for reasons I can't fully explain. But they got their stuff my, together. They did, but they just. Well, they folded against the Wizards. They got swept. And then, you know, Paul Pierce made Drake his bitch, which was awesome. But, I mean, I don't know. Like That was a different team. It was a different team. This is a much better team. Last year's Toronto team played zero defense. This year's Toronto team plays defense. They Kyle Lowry got skinny, you know. Dude, that's Lowry probably that's the so biggest good man. He's, he's so that's good. That's the biggest difference between the he's, this team. He's legitimately better, a, a second or Lowry's third team All NBA. If I would put him as third team NBA, I think most people would put him at third team. 
you watch him play, he's always moving. He's always doing something like to to help his team. Like he is a very good off the ball player. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if when when they televise it, just just spend a few minutes just watching Lowry straight up. Just watch what he does on the court because he's just very good at getting in position, like just doing very subtle things to to make his team win and give them a very good shot. No, I think this is the year they get the chip off their shoulder and they they win a series and they go to the second round and then lose. Paul George is filthy, man. I love that guy. He's had here's my he hasn't he hasn't been that filthy. He's still not the same guy. Really? He's amazing, man. He's come back yeah. the way that like I never expected him. Um, we've delineated the top seven, seven, eight guys, but if you start to finish one through fifteen in the NBA, I think Paul George is on that list. He's 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 like top five scoring in forwards. I mean, yeah, twenty three points a game. Like after like a horrific injury. Like I mean, it was a clean break. Yeah. It's much better than an ACL tear or like some. Uh, you know, crazy ankle, yeah, or an Achilles. But man, dude, that thing like took a right angle turn. That is <laughs> not what your leg is not supposed. He has to do. nothing around him. So here's my thing. He's Monty Ellis. Toronto. It reminds me. <laughs> Toronto reminds me a lot of kind of like. It's the best metaphor. Atlanta last Kind of like no the the Indianapolis Colts to borrow from a football phrase, of like the mid-2000s, minus 2006, where they're going to be a really good playoff, t- I mean, a really good regular season team, but they're mentally soft. Or they, something goes bad, and they're going to start getting the yips in the playoffs. Yeah, but that's why I, I think know, they're going to make it through the first round, but they'll lose in the second. Indiana, and I know we could, we, that this isn't Indiana from two years ago, and they lost a ton of veteran leadership, but Paul George is still there. Monte Ellis is irrational. He doesn't, you know, that dude does not shy away from the spotlight. Like he is, nothing is too big for Frank him. Vogel whether is or not a good he, coach. Frank Vogel is a good coach. George Hill has a ton of playoff experience. Jan Mahinmi was on those playoff teams. Jordan Hill, I believe, has a little playoff experience yes. from yeah, LA. He's, yes. not, he's nothing to laugh at either. He's Rodney Stuckey is not a bad player there either. Yeah, when he's a like, role player, he's actually not terrible. No, right, exactly. That is his. He is a role player. Yeah. And think about this: if you're playing checkers, coaching wise, would you rather have Frank Vogel or would you rather have what's his name from Toronto? Dwayne Casey. His name is escaping me. Right, Dwayne Casey. When Dwayne is Dwayne Casey, Casey did a proving... great job this year? In the regular season, right. he got. But that's so, all we can so... judge him on at this point. Anytime he got his ass and, smoked by Randy Whitman. Anytime you get swept in a playoff in the first round of the playoffs, you yeah, got it. It is pretty, but so did so did Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau got out coached, but he didn't get smoked. Yeah, but he didn't get swept. Yeah, we didn't get swept, and we were still unhealthy. But yeah, we sucked, and you guys were much better. Let's not talk about this. The point- I still think that Toronto <laughs> wins this series. They don't win it in five. They maybe win it in six. Or it goes to game seven. Dwayne Casey was one bad or one long stretch of losing away from losing his job. How are we all of a sudden anointing him that this is a good coach? He's not a good coach. That's how the NBA works. It's all about the now. I don't think he's a good coach. I think he's just coaching a good team. He's coaching a good team. He's coaching a not fat point guard. I mean, Lowry 
was pretty solid last year too. And he's Lowry was trash. I mean, he was no. okay last year. No, he was season. good last year. In the regular he season, he was this great. Year. Yeah, he's just like he's, he's just much better. He's just constantly improving, which is fantastic. As Bill Simmons likes to say, congratulations for finally getting in shape. Bismack Biombo, baby. Yeah, Bismack Biombo. There you go. Jonas Valanciunas, that train has sailed. Enough. No more. Like, that's not happening. That's not a thing. Luis Scola and Patrick Patterson. Nice players. Not a thing. All right? Damari Carroll uh, is definitely, like, he's, what happened to him? He got hurt? Like, uh... He, he had a mystery injury all season. Yeah. And he's not but back, he right? Played, he's out for the season. So good. If okay, so he can be an X factor in this series. If he plays and they get, because he's been out for a while. If he plays and he plays well, that can turn the tide and that can make this series pretty favorable in Toronto's direction. But you know, if he's rusty or he could just fuck up the chemistry too. I mean, he could fuck up the chemistry. Yeah, it's he's a it's a good wild card there too. I mean, that could be a pretty interesting uh, series actually. Like they're all somewhat compelling in some way. Um, in minute ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to be a, like the first round is honestly like a a good um, a good round for most people who actually watch basketball because then you'll be able to like see just a few of the subtleties of of both of the teams like involved. And it's really like coaches definitely play like a much bigger role. This is where it's coaches' times to shine. Hence my point about Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Vogel, uh, Vogel. I would take Vogel in a seven-game series over Casey ten out of ten times. Yep. Think about it this way. I mean, not there's a snowball's chance in hell this will happen, but Stan Van Gundy versus T. Lou. Oh. Or man. LeBron James, who is the head coach of that team. That's the thing. Like LeBron, just he. I, I mean, LeBron's going to LeBron. Gonna LeBron. I think Detroit's going to. Gonna push them. They're playing really good basketball now. They're they're. Uh, you talking about the Cavs? There is Pistons, no Pistons. way that that's a sweep. No, it's, it's not, not a sweep. sweep. Not a sweep. I think it's. I think it goes to six. I'm putting my money on five, but it's not the a safe money five. is on five. But it's not. It's not a short one. I mean, it's not a. It's not like the Cleveland's going to win any of them decisively. Maybe one. I think the Pistons are going to give them hell. And steal one. I, I think the mismatch just it, it just doesn't fit them. I think the Cavs. I think they'll have... hack a Drummond because big men. Exactly. Big men are just gonna. Big men are like the Achilles for Cavs, but Andre Drummond is just worthless when it comes to like you know free throws. So they can just hack him, hack him out. Um, someone will have to contain Reggie Jackson, who is actually not terrible. And but it's easy it's to contain him when when your big man's on the bench. Yeah. Tobias Harris, man, he when I watched what him steal when I watched him play the Bulls, I was like, who the fuck is this dude? He's like killing us. He's he's like a legit player. He's gonna be the X factor. I think he might have a breakout uh, series. So he's just go really back to like to... the Wizards. The thing that kills me is like basically Detroit gave up nothing to get Tobias Harris. Yeah. Yeah, and the Wizards gave up a first-round pick and <laughs> stuff to get Markeith Morris. I'm like, do you know you could have had Tobias Harris for nothing? That would have been um, a steal. I, the Wizards would absolutely oh, be in the playoffs God. if they had Tobias Harris. Yeah, no question. Yeah. No question. Yeah, Wizards would have a lot of things if they had a competent GM. Mm-hmm. Also, a good point. 
So let's take a left turn for the Cavaliers right now because that team, I mean, they're going to make it out of the East. I think we'll be very, very surprised if they don't make it out of the East. The only team that, that can beat them is Toronto. That team is a hot mess. They are a complete and utter train wreck right now. Between LeBron's... I, I think Boston he, actually he hates Kyrie. Could, could give them a, a I, run. So the LeBron-Kyrie hatred actually warms my heart. I love greatly it. Because... I love it so much because I hate Kyrie so much. He's not good. He's just... I have said it multiple times. The uh, the analogy of him being a glorified Stefan Marbury could not be any more accurate. The players don't like him. There was a report right after we did the last podcast. We had that thirty three point one assist game. I mean, I think uh, who said? It? I think it was Zach Lowe said it a couple of days ago. Where like he's like LeBron's just trying to give it up, trying to make Kyrie Irving a good player. Like he's just giving up. He's like Kyrie Irving is a scoring only guard that's basically all he is he's, he's he's a chucker if you really want to put it down anything else he's a chucker that's all he's going to do there's no point trying to make him something that he's not going to be i.e a team first point guard but i've been just saying not going to that, that the whole time in like defensive like the wall Kyrie thing i'm like Kyrie's a great scorer but he's that's all he is he's a scorer he cannot do anything else he cannot facilitate and he cannot play defense and he's too small to be a shooting guard right that's his. That's the problem with him. It's Do like, they somehow turn him into Chris Paul? No, How? no way. Chris Paul's got like crazy that's the, vision. That's He's like so the, good. The, the the trade. Are you saying to turn him into him? Like, oh, trade. Transform yeah. him into no, that's Chris the Paul. Trade. Or no, trade no, no, him you for want to Chris flip Paul. him. Um, this summer. So so again, like the, the, like my ultimatum is: How can I get LeBron James to get the team of his dreams in Cleveland? Which probably isn't going to happen, but how does that happen? Well, it'll happen. Uh, it'll depend on free agency because LeBron will not ha- won't be able to take the max money, so he's going to want his cake and eat it too. And I don't think that you know the Cavs are going to be able to do that. They they already have a fuck ton of money in Kevin Love, but they can uh, deal him. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. I I just. I mean, you you can maybe swap Kevin Love for Carmelo. Is that what you're thinking too? Yep. And then you can swap Kyrie for Chris Paul and things. Do you know Carmelo's base salary right now is twenty two eight, and over the next two years it goes up to twenty four, twenty six, and then twenty seven. That's terrible. Yeah, but his 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 deal with New York wasn't about the money, man. It was you know he thought Phil had the right. He thought vision. he could win championships yeah, there instead yeah. of in Chicago. Right. Yeah. Or he's <laughs> so he's he's locked up for another three years. But I get your point that it's going to be that okay they'll try to trade, sign and trade him. It's not going to happen. And the only you're going to try to build that team when Wade is 46 years old. Like it's just not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. But it could. It could happen. It, I could walk out of my house and get struck by lightning. But logistically, in play, if somebody takes less money, so you could make trades to get Chris Paul to Cleveland. You could make trades to get Carmelo to Cleveland, and then Wade would have to sign on a ultra cheap deal as a free agent. And, well, you know, Carmelo's proven it's not all about the money, yeah. so I'm sure he'll be fine taking an eighty percent pay cut to make this. Well, work. he's got a contract now, so they have to pay him with the contract. They have to pay is. him. Yeah, he's he he'll go You'd have to, to give up love to no, get him. No CP3 is signed for two more years at 22 and 24 million after that. What's Kyrie at right now? 
if it's more than six dollars, he's overpaid. <laughs> well, here's the alternative. LeBron walks. He's not walking, dude. The backlash. He could. He's not going to walk. He so could. He could. Kyrie's in the first of a five-year deal. He. Oh yeah, they signed him to a max. This right. team. Why yep. would he? Why would he resign? Five-year, ninety-four million-dollar contract for Kyrie. Good job. Good job. Kyrie sucks. Kevin loves. He's not what we thought he was. No, he is what we thought we thought I don't he was. Know, man, LeBron like walking out after making a big deal of coming back, saying he wants to win a ring for Cleveland, ousting the coach, uh, and then trading away the best young talent in. But why do you sign one-year deals every year to get some fucking money? So he's you gonna can do it because the cap, the cap is gonna go up like after yeah, that. But, man. but he can get out. At any point in time, if this summer he says, you want to know what? That team I want, they can happen in Miami. I'm going to go back. It could. I think there's at least a 25% happen. chance he goes back to Miami. Absolutely. I think it's at least, you. if you're putting odds, it's at least a 25% that he goes back to Miami. I think it's absolutely in play. It's totally in play. Well, he he can go anywhere he wants. Like what? Like you think? But he, he could go, go to Miami the Lakers that, and then reform his exactly. team in in L.A. That's a possibility That's exactly there too. It. Like, but who else is L.A. going to go for? Uh, L.A. also kind of wants. I think L.A. is going to go for the Westbrook and Kevin Love combo. I think that's what they're going to try to build up. Not if they can get the LeBron Carmelo combo. I don't see those guys coexisting. Oh, I don't see it either, but I don't think – I think they're dumb enough they to think that get. if something's attainable, they're going to go for that. Yeah. So if, so if LeBron and Carmelo is attainable, that's what they're going to get. They're going to jump on it. I think Westbrook and somebody else is very attainable for LA. Yeah, Westbrook is absolutely attainable. Now, who wants to play with Westbrook? Because he's – uh, he is one of those score first mentality point guards as well. And you have to be homicidally competitive as well. Otherwise, he's going to hate you yes. and maybe kill you. Exactly. So I don't know many people who are, who are able to coexist with a guy like Westbrook. Because Westbrook is also going to want to be the number one option. I was going to say, Westbrook is going to need someone to respect i.e. one of the top six players in the NBA like Kevin Durant. And it's good luck trying to find somebody else to pair with him like that. Couldn't theoretically L.A. bring Kevin Durant and Westbrook? Theoretically, yes. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't know. I just don't see Kevin Durant. It all depends on how much those two want to play together. I don't see Durant leaving Oklahoma City. Yeah, I don't think. I don't. Well, not this year, but in, in general, ever. Uh, maybe at the tail end of his career, but not for the foreseeable future, and not even because of the money. I think it's a big part. It's because of the money, but a big part of it because that's how Kevin Do you Durant think is. Wanted. Mello would play with Westbrook. Yes. No, I think it Mello would play out with well, anyone. But he would. Exactly. Because I could see that being like Phil's final, like, okay, here's a gift from New York to to L.A. You know, uh, here's here's Carmelo Anthony, and you're going to get Westbrook. Just give me your shit. This is the most generic. It's a generic cliche sports statement, but 
it's very true when it comes to Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony's not a winner. Just not. Except he's a college when he won his freshman year in the tourney and was pretty oh, he was the best player in the country. Amazing player. Yeah. He's you can such a good also, See, we forget how good he was in Denver. He was really fucking good in Denver. You forget how good he was in the Olympics. Yeah, the, he's he on the on Olympic team. team. And he was on a stud best team. of the fucking best and he he's the best. He wasn't double covered. He wasn't he was like yeah, but I mean, he was playing against defenses that didn't know what to do. Like nobody throws double teams. It. Yeah, of course he did. Any any guy would kill it like that. His ah, oh, his range is unbelievable. Yeah, pure scoring. He I used to rank him at the top, and then I saw Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he yeah until three years ago in terms of pure there. scoring. Yes, yeah, still up there in pure scoring. Pure scoring, absolutely. It's turning into a little bit of empty calories with this scoring. Not a little bit. It is a lot of empty calories with this scoring. But yes, in terms of lethality of shooting, this side of Golden State is probably one of the most, still one of the most gifted scorers there are. I, I just don't see the super team happening. It's a pipe dream. The super friends idea. We tried it once. It's, it took a year, a year and a half. Never know or a what year, these players can pull off. But it's going to be another team where there's just so much hatred for it. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's, and I don't know how like the new guys like Mello and Chris Paul and uh, whoever the fourth guy he wanted. Uh, oh, Wade. Yeah. He, Wade's already used to that Wait, shit. Wade can handle but, the hate. Yeah. But I don't know how Paul and Mello, Mello especially, like maybe he won't, he actually doesn't give They a can shit. deal with He's it. He's just getting paid. He's getting paid. He'll he be so pay. insulated. Yeah. Yeah. Won't be a problem. And then what do you have after that? You have those four guys. Fine. You have those four guys on the roster. And then what? Do and those guys are going to be butter. You butter. can constitute a team with ring chasers. These aren't four guys in their prime, man. You, it, it's going to take another year or two for that to happen. And you're not getting them at 100%. It's an idea. You're getting names on paper. You're going to get Nene. <laughs> Good luck Nene with that. Is He's trying retiring. To pre- He's going back trying to, to preach, <laughs> preach about Jesus to all of them. Good luck with that. Look at topless women. Amen. I don't Actually, right. I, I kind of think he might resign. <laughs> I don't want him to, but at the right price, wouldn't you Actually, assign him at like the at like a seven mil a year? No. Ooh, I would do it. Anything less than ten, I would sign resign him to be a bench player. No. <laughs> I'm out. All right. No. Nene is only good if we're playing the Chicago Bulls. Past that, worthless. Basically correct. Okay, so, that... so imagine this. They have the super team, and it's in, the, it's in L.A., and they convince Kobe Bryant to come back for $1 million a year. He'd do he it. He is a ring chaser. He would do it. He would fucking do it. He would absolutely do it. Yep. And he would rationalize it that Jordan did it. Yep, that is a huge ring chaser right there. That is a guy. And if you want to talk about ruining team chemistry, that would work. It would go right. It would fold right into there. Because he would be like, "I'm the alpha dog," and they'll be like, "You're 60 years old." Yeah. He'd be like, "Put me in." I don't know, but Mike Conley's gonna be free agent. I mean, maybe they could convince him. I don't see him ring chasing yet. He's still young. Uh, let me see. Jamal Crawford, that's another guy that I think they would go. For. That's a ring chaser. Yeah. 
so we're saying Cavs circling back, coming full circle. Cavs in either I had Cavs in six. I think when I was actually writing down my predictions, I say five. I you know LeBron is not he doesn't fuck around in the playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna it's be too, five. He's just too good. I, I actually uh, so I'm I originally had for going back to the first series I originally had Raptors in seven winning the series, but screw it I'm gonna go on the record I'm gonna say Pacers in seven. Ooh, you think Oof. they get that last minute? I, I say Raptors in six. I I think they get over the hump. I think they I guarantee they they make the the, the next round. Guarantee. I see Raptors winning it. I am wavering between five and six, honestly. Like, I just think they're going to do it. I'm going to go with six to be safe. Going out on the limb here. I'm going to take the Pacers and seven. Probably dead wrong, but that's fine. No, that's fine, man. That's what predictions are for. You'll totally be penalized for the rest of your life for getting this wrong. I'll get it tattooed on my ass Rub this in your face forever. I had Heat and six for the Heat and Hornets. Just because of playoff experience. Biggest factor. Yeah. And then Hawks and Celtics. I think this is easily the most compelling matchup in the first round. Celtics. I think the Celtics win it. I got Celtics in six. I just don't like the Hawks. I don't like the Hawks but either. Paul but Paul Millsap's so nasty right now. That's the thing. He's so freaking good. And I know it's another generic cliche statement, but I don't know if the Celtics have enough playoff experience to where they can just, you know, they will be able to overcome playing against a team that's well-coached, well-put-together, kind of like Atlanta is. But they are well-coached, and they show up for big games. They show up for the big games. Boston? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And Brad Stevens is one of the three best coaches, or the three to five best coaches in the NBA. Yeah, it's... Uh... I don't know. I think I think they're going to shock people. I think they're going to I think they're going to do it. If Boston wins and it would not be unforeseeable at all if Boston wins. They're going to give Cleveland hell in round yep, 2. Absolutely. I agree. They're going to give them pure hell because they'll throw all eight bodies at a team at a Cleveland team that is basically two and a half people and again going back to the coaching matchup the checkers between Brad Stevens and T. Lou, like that's yeah. a, that's a joke. There's yeah. no com- there's no comparison, and it it'd be even better because you're gonna see Kevin Love go up against Kelly Olynyk again. That's where I was gonna go. There's gonna be a brawl again. There's gonna be a oh brawl. Oh my or something. god! There's be a fight. He's just gonna separate his shoulder <laughs> one more time. Can we officially call Kevin Love soft? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's no question. He's just. Can we? But he's just, a, like that's the thing. Like he's just he wasn't ready to realize uh, that he was a numbers guy on a shitty team. Yeah, he's he's just not good. He's good. He's, a, he's good. He's, he's good, but not not today. The NBA today is different than the NBA two years ago. He's a stretch four. I think but in the right not. situation he'd yeah, be fine. I think he can be solid. I just think he doesn't like to defer to. He just doesn't like. Right, to, he has to be on a. He has to be on a solid team that can hide him on defense. And Cleveland cannot hide him on defense when they have to hide Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's too many. people. So, all right, I'll I'll give you that. On on a different team, he 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 could be your number two. 
he would be a fantastic number yeah. two on the Wizards. Yep. I will take that to the grave. Well, you do Beal. Well, you know, Marquise uh, Morris is our first round pick this year, and so uh, Kevin Love would not be appropriate for this team. Thank you, Ernie Grunfeld. <sighs> so angry. All right, before our heads explode with any more Ernieisms, we'll jump out west. The matchups are Golden State versus Houston, San Antonio versus Memphis, Oklahoma City versus Dallas, and the Clippers versus Portland. How the fuck Clippers is Memphis Portland in the playoffs? How? That's the best question. <laughs> well, how and why is Memphis still in the playoffs? I don't know. That's a that's, great question. That's a sweep. That's a sweep. Better I, think, be a sweep. I think Houston wins one against Golden think, State. I don't think they win a game. I think I, I think James Harden I have San has Antonio a point game. sweep as well. I think the best thing that happened for the casual fan who has no investment in this is that San Antonio drew an easy round one opponent, yeah. knowing that they're going to drown, they're going to deal with somebody very good in the round two. They get they're going to have an easy. Say again. They get Oklahoma. Then we get Oklahoma City, assuming Oklahoma City wins, which they should. Absolutely. Yeah, the fact that San Antonio didn't get Dallas. Is, is huge. Very, very big. Exactly. Like Dallas they didn't always get, gave them fits. They didn't get Dallas. They didn't get Portland. They didn't get Houston. They got a team who they will pretty decisively and Memphis easily beat. Dead man walking. They're just dead. There's just nothing there. And There's if you want to play, and that's it. But Memphis wants to slow it down and grind you out. That's exactly the yeah. type of game San Antonio wants can to do play. that all day long. Yeah, yeah. all day. They can do that with their second team. They'll be fine. That's the one opponent that they wanted to draw, and they got them, and that's it's perfect for them. Um, I I don't know which one of you said it, but I see Golden State in five. I think Houston will steal like game four. Yeah, it'll be three nothing. Houston will take and game James four. Harden's going to have one hell of a game. They're going to get right. Dwight Howard the ball early so that he's somewhat engaged, and they'll win a game. So Golden State, as we've said, their biggest kryptonite is slashing, penetrating, scoring guards. Like, that's their one type of player who gives them trouble, which James Harden can do. James Harden just refuses to play any semblance of defense whatsoever, which is why it's not going to be close. But I think Houston will steal one game. Right. And I'm even going to, like I said, go on the record and say it's going to be probably game four after they're down 3 nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... I could buy that, but I don't know. Golden State. If it's a sweep, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me this light. I I think it's gonna be a sweep. They're just too good. They're just they're maybe the high of winning seventy three, which is fucking unbelievable. That's why I think way. it's too hard to sweep the first round. Yeah, maybe. Houston for all the troubles they had all year slowly got their stuff together. They're somewhat competent right now. That's why I think they can get one, just one, one game. Steve Kerr versus J.B. Bickerstaff. I mean, their last three games were against the Lakers, Timberwolves, and Can I coach the Rockets? Yes, you can. Yep, I think I can do a better job, and I will be wasted the entire time. Golden State dropped over 110 on them in the three games, and they scored 123 in the last game against them. Oh, that's it? Yeah. But, I mean, like, if you don't play defense, Golden State is just going to, like, eat you alive. And James Harden plays 
I mean, you'd rather have my 15-pound dog playing defense on one of these players than having James Harden. Dog weighs 15 pounds. Rambo is 15 pounds, actually. <laughs> He's going to die. Fatty, <laughs> but fatty. him too well. Yeah, so. their best case is Patrick Beverly doing something, or Trevor Ariza even, like, you know, turning back the clock and playing some solid 3D basketball. It doesn't matter. Dwight Howard's a big bitch, and James Harden doesn't care. Oh. Where the hell is Dwight Howard going to end up? Hopefully in, at, a, uh, at a halfway Siberia? Home. Overseas, man. Yeah. Put him in China. He won't, though. He'll, he'll dominate. I am just waiting for some dumbass team to overpay him, and I please, please don't be Washington. Can you imagine I was gonna how say, tall just... Dwight Howard would be in China? Like... <laughs> <laughs> He'd That's... be like three Chinamen tall. <laughs> Oh my and God. knowing Dwight Howard, he would so, go there and be so like, why do your eyes look that. funny? <laughs> Dwight Howard. Called Asian Amer- Wait, they're not Asian Americans. They're Asians. Oklahoma City and Dallas. Uh, okay, see. It's a five-game series. I think it's six. You think it's actually five or six? Yeah. I think it's five. I just can't. I just can't comprehend sweeps right now. Well, I don't think it's a sweep either. I don't think it's a sweep, but I think it's six. The, the Dirk step back is at least going to give him one. I don't know how Dirk is still doing it. We he railed does. on Scotty he does a it. good amount in the last podcast, but I think this is probably one of the more underachieving Oklahoma City teams. Underachieving? Underachieving. Yeah, they I think they're one of the more underachieved this year. You had Russell Westbrook delivering triple doubles Every night, almost. And a healthy Durant and, basically coming back with a vengeance. Any other and, year, MVP candidate. And you yes. only won, what, they 57 games? 55. 55. Yeah. That's a 60-win team. That should have been a 60-win yeah. team. No, not no. Now, I get that San Antonio and, and Golden State were incredible this year. Billy Donovan just sucks. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the wild card. I mean, if it comes down to coaching, you got Rick Carlisle versus Billy Donovan. Rick Carlisle's a good He's coach. A great Carlisle's coach. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So, like, when you go to like coach of the year, so like the assumption is, dude, the Portland coach Popovich man stops every year, right? Stops. I think. I hey, think see, Carlisle's got to be in it every time. He's in the discussion. Like, I feel like it, it, it's it should be a runaway for Steve Kerr, but it's like. Steve Kerr lost five games, which is ridiculous to say. And Luke Walton took them to an undefeated record. So by definition, is it kind of hard to give the coach of the year to Steve Kerr? No, because Steve Kerr was coaching those teams. Uh, sure. I don't give a shit what Luke Walton was doing. He was being But if you look coach- objectively at the coaching job, I would say Terry Stotts, Steve Clifford, and even Pop did a better job. No, Pop deserves I mean, a coach better of the job. Year. Sur- surmounted more than what Kerr may have had to. Uh, I'm going to go Stotts. I think Stotts deserves I mean, he had his main main dude leave, and then uh, Wesley Matthews left. Wesley Matthews left? They, they, they lost four starters, right? Out four of the starters. starting five. Yeah. Yep. Four. And they are fifth in the West. It's... Yeah. It's just unbelievable, like what they've done. Damian Lillard just but, like took it to another level. But the Spurs set the record for most wins in a single season for their franchise. 
67 wins. The quietest 67 win in the history of the NBA. Seriously. So clearly. In the the same point differential. Yeah. Almost identical point differential as Golden State. Golden State won 73 games. So I don't care about franchise record at that point. I'm going to go. By that logic, I'd have to pick Golden State, right? They set the NBA record, man. Not just a franchise record. They set an NBA historic record for wins. San Antonio allowed the entire year. San Antonio allowed less than ninety three less than ninety three points per game. In the East, the best defense was Cleveland. It was over ninety eight. It's over five points a game less that they're that San Antonio's allowing. Yeah. The Western Conference Finals are gonna gonna be so amazing. It's gonna be like the old Yankees Red Sox series where that's the finals. And the finals or the championship series is kind of just a formality at that point. But like you're really looking forward to that series. That's what San Antonio the with the East and is, Golden State is. Can Cleveland really make it? Is somebody going to trip them up? No. No. I don't think somebody is, but somebody might. I think Boston's going to give them hell. Um, whoever they face in the finals... It would be between the Raptors, Pacers, Heat, and Hornets. No. If it's Toronto, let's just say Toronto gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's five games tops. Tops. Yeah. Yeah. I think even the Hawks might be able to give them some trouble. If if Millsap continues to play well. And Jeff Teague like figures out how to get his head out of his ass. There's nobody... As dysfunctional as this Cleveland team is, and as much more LeBron-related drama we're probably going to be dealing with over the next, you know, few weeks and stuff, as he sends passive-aggressive Instagram pictures and whatever bullshit he does, they're still coming out of the East, and and, and I don't think it's going to be particularly like interesting in terms of oh somebody might beat them. No, no, I, I just don't see it. I really don't. It's all in the West, and we're really just aiming for the Golden State-San Antonio series. I think Oklahoma City is going to give San Antonio, assuming it stays chalk. They're going to give them trouble. Just because Russell West, they don't have an answer for Russell Westbrook. Like, you know what I mean? Tony like Kevin Park- Durant. Well, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, but Tony Parker's old ass can't handle Russell Westbrook. At least you can say, well, Kawhi Leonard can rotate on and off with Durant. Nope. But who is going to deal with Russell Westbrook? Yeah, no, I mean, it exactly. looked like... Where, it looked where do like... you aim your target at? Do you want to stop Westbrook or do you want to stop Durant? You have to stop Durant because can't Westbrook stop will self de- Westbrook will self-destruct. Westbrook will go into hero ball mode, and that's exactly what you want. Well, the other advantage that San Antonio has, they can just... Out. They Their depth will kill Oklahoma City. Anytime well, the minute start... Oklahoma City puts in his canter on the floor, they're done. 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 Okay, we'll put Boris Diaw in. We'll bring in some of these other guys. You're cooked. I feel like the Clippers and Portland series is going to be interesting, and yet I have no desire to see it. I do, because Damian Lillard is so I think good. The... The Lillard CP3 matchup is really where it's going to be at. Because. So good. Lillard is very, 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 very good. And Chris Paul is going to. 
He's Chris Paul's going to pull out all the dirty tricks in the book to stop him. I well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm torn because I would love to see Portland win it. So would I. But I, I want to see Clippers, Golden State. Chris Paul's yeah. the only guy that knows yes. how to defend Steph Curry, and that's what Damian Lillard, you know, strives to be. So I could totally see Chris Paul shutting him down. Chris Paul's method of trying to stop them is basically grab Bow them, kick the them, shit out of them, them. Yeah. and do everything he can yeah. and just play as dirty as possible and see how much the refs are going to let him get away with. Yeah. That's the methodology. And whine, which, whine a lot. Oh, yeah. Mean. Or mean mug the referee. What's right. wrong with that? If it works, it works. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, as the saying goes. Yeah, I mean, they were... Portland is one and three against the Clippers in the regular season, which we know means little, but they lost like one of their losses was just by two points. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, Clippers, I think come out in six. I go six. I have the Clippers in five or six. I, I have, I originally had five. Six. I have Oklahoma city rounding that one out. I have Oklahoma city in seven. So who do we have as oh, upsets? Oh, interesting. You think it goes seven. I think it goes I do six. think it goes seven. I think it goes six. Uh, upsets, I think we picked... Uh, I mean, we have Celtics. Well, you didn't pick any, so I don't... Yeah. I have the Celtics, I think, upsetting the Hawks. I think the Celtics upset the Hawks. I For some reason, I don't know why, and I don't... If you ask me to make an argument for it, I can't, but I have the Hawks in seven. Yeah, I mean, I mean... But that's I why this, be surprised like, this first either. round is so boring. I, I don't know can't. if it goes to seven games. It's not a boring. It's not boring. If, if we're if we're calling some of these series to six or seven, to me that's not boring. The great thing, yeah, about the only the boring round is there's basketball series. every night. Oh, there's, there's multiple, multiple games multiple, every night. Yeah. It's going to be like March Madness esque. Uh, so great. That's yeah. why I love the first round. No matter okay. what night Rap- it is, there's a game on, and when the fourth quarter hits, I'm watching. Wrapping this up a little bit, we'll kind of just go through our first team all-NBA ballot. So we were kind of talking about this before the pod started. Three of the fives are given. I mean, if you don't have Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard on your all-NBA ballot first team, you have some serious laning to do. So I'll go ahead and start. I have Curry... We now, in fairness, or for an explanation, we went with the bastardized three forward lineup. You didn't need to have a formal center because the center position is watered down or doesn't even really exist in many cases. So it's a three forward, two guard lineup. Mm. Um, I have Curry, I have Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. Those are the three you have to have. And the other two guys, I have Kevin Durant and I have Chris Paul. Chris Paul. See, I, I have, I have Durant and Westbrook. I have Durant and Westbrook. Because Westbrook's a triple-double machine. Dude, Westbrook would be the MVP this year if not for Curry's ridiculous season. So the only reason Chris Paul gets like all this shine is because uh, Blake was hurt and they won games. Didn't miss a beat. They won so games. I'm a, I'm a purist in the sense that Russell Westbrook the MVP so means good. the most valuable player to your team. If you took Russell Westbrook off of Oklahoma City, they'd still be pretty good. They yeah, would they still be, be as good. They wouldn't be fifty-five wins. They wouldn't be not fifty-five in wins. I not in the West. I doubt they drop a, below forty-five wins because Kevin Durant is that good. You took Chris Paul off the Lakers and you put just the Lakers, the Clippers, and if you put Blake and DeAndre on that team, I, I don't know that 
they're going to be scratching to make the playoffs. I don't disagree, but I mean that the job of the point guard. It all depends on what point guard you get. The job of the point guard is to like corral the idiots. So sure, but I mean we take away Westbrook, who is the point guard of. I see where you're going. I mean, I don't know, man. Westbrook's season was just phenomenal compared to Paul's and my. You know, Westbrook basically. had a statistically great season, and he is a. Did Westbrook have a better season player. than Durant? Uh, all around. I don't know what the PER yeah. is for the two of them, but Durant was Durant had a twenty-eight had a seven good season. season, but Westbrook really good also had just... a great season. I don't know. I. The the I think the argument is that um, Chris Paul plays better the better defense than Westbrook. Uh, Durant's PER was better. Durant didn't have a very good season. He had a fantastic season. He had a twenty eight eight and five season. That's really yeah, good. He had a great season. I mean, Westbrook did have what twenty three. Jesus, did he really average ten? But he okay, Westbrook had so twenty three ten and triple eight. doubles. Westbrook averaged ten and a half assists. Wow, I didn't realize that. So many triple doubles. What, Westbrook Wilson, finished second. He, he is second Austin in Robinson? the history, right? In the history of the league. Yeah. 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 So that's why I just can't buy uh, Chris Paul as your first team. But then, like, the argument is, well, Oklahoma City only won 57 games or whatever it is. 55. 55. So how can you have two players on that team on your first team? Well, that's because those two players were so were freaking really good. The rest of the team good. was so garbage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I mean, sticking with it. I, I can't put Chris Paul on it. It also could be just because I, no, I don't Westbrook really like such, such a great year. Wouldn't you put... so? For like my MVP ballot, it would be Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Westbrook. So that's why I can't put Chris Paul ahead of Westbrook when it comes to uh, first team All NBA. And then I can't leave Durant off first team if we're including three forwards. If we're going the top four, like who are on my ballot, it would have been Curry, LeBron. Actually, no, I take that back. It would have been Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, and then I'd have a really tough time deciding between next between Durant and LeBron just because LeBron took so much time off in the middle of the season. Like LeBron coasting, if you're if I'm voting for just for the MVP perspective, like yes, LeBron was LeBron for the last, I don't know, two months of the season or three months or since All-Star break or what have you, but that doesn't excuse the first half of the season where he's just like, I'm just saving it for the playoffs. I understand what he why. It makes complete sense. But from the perspective of MVP voting, no. Yeah, I agree. You can't really put him into the MVP. I mean, Curry gets it all the way. Um, hard to disagree with Leonard at number two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, Curry's a runaway. It's not even close. There's no argument. It, I love how people are basically like, I want to see now that the MVP voting is public, if anybody votes for anybody but Curry. Like, it would be a mockery of the oh, highest yeah, he'd level be like the first unanimous one right i bet somebody will vote for westbrook actually. some asshole is going to vote for lebron or like no someone will do westbrook james because Harden. of the triple doubles yeah some idiot's going to do it just to make sure that it's not unanimous but 402 
Did he finish? 402. Jeez. 402. I will happily, happily say that I did not. I watched about 30 seconds of the Kobe pregame fellatio, and I could not take any more of it. And I switched the channel, and I watched the the Warriors until about... No, I turned off at halftime. I turned off at halftime. My old ass went to bed. Jeez. But he had it. Yeah, he had eight, if I'm not mistaken, at halftime. No, he had he had seven because he did because he was at one before the record or one before 400. Right, and he ended up with 402. He yeah. he attempted eleven a little over eleven threes a game, and he hit forty five percent of them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's My the I this the context <laughs> I love is that it's like okay, he hit four hundred threes. Nobody else ever hit three hundred. Right. He hit 400, That's, and he did it at an extremely high level. And basically not playing most of those games in the fourth quarter. What did he play, less than 35 minutes? He plays, I think, less than 36 minutes a game. Yeah. So he's basically he playing 30, 30 points a game. He's at 34-2, and he averaged 30, 30 points. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't I, – I, there's – of the many things I hate in life – I hate people who root for front runners or for the like the well, favorite totally teams more than anything else. State. But Golden State is just fun to watch. Like I'm, I'm usually one of those people that I, if someone's winning too much, I kind of like to see them lose because uh, just for the change. But they're just really, really fun to watch. They're, they're the first likable super team I can think of in a while. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely. All I want to do is see them win. They, ha- like the seventy three and nine is great. In order to the icing on the cake is going to be that championship trophy. They have to get it. They have to. If, if they won and they obliterated whoever comes out of the East and they're going into next season, I don't think I would tire of them winning even next season. No, nope. because you're just watching basketball played at That's such a because pure... you're watching history. You're watching a historically amazing team play. Like you just have to like, take a step back and just watch them. They're I've so never felt good. that way about like. The Super Friends in Miami. No. Any I felt that team. way about 96 Bulls. Yeah, I felt that way about all my Bulls teams. When I was watching that 96 Bulls team, I was like, this is unreal. And you See, I was younger and hard-headed at that time, and I wanted to see the Bulls lose, and it never did happen. No, I wanted to see them win. I love Scottie Pippen. As you should. I love Scottie Pippen. He was my favorite. I, I personally liked him more than Jordan. I actually loved those mid '90s Magic. I was a huge fan of them for like the brief, absolutely, you know, supernova that they were. I, I remember so they dis- beat the they beat MJ when he came back in the in the comeback season. I yep. remember that. I remember the play where uh, they were in Orlando, and I forget who it was, but they basically picked Jordan's pocket from Nick behind. Anderson. And, Nick and Anderson. That was the one he picked that his pocket, it. and he said, "45 ain't as good as 23." And then the next game, Jordan wore 23. Yeah, Nick Anderson's an idiot. Don't ever, don't ever say. Don't that ever to poke Jordan. the bear. Don't ever say. Don't that. ever poke the bear. I love it. Yeah. I feel so bad for Nick Anderson. I His don't. whole life went to shit when he missed four free throws. His whole life went to shit. Yeah. All right. I kind of feel kinda, that now. Fair enough. It's kind of like the Muggsy Bows shoot it, you midget, and never the same player ever again. <sighs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> on that note we will wrap it up um thank you guys for staying up well past your usual bedtimes for this podcast and for those of you listening make sure you subscribe to us on itunes check us out on soundcloud leave us some comments if you love it great if you hate it 
leave us feedback. We're fine with it. We'll live. And we'll probably ignore it. And we'll probably ignore it. But until next time, we're signing off and have a good evening. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.